3: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. This is the podcast that lets you know all of the latest happening in the world of Lucha Libre. Each week, our team discusses news and events from the past week, as well as preview the week ahead, covering Mexico-based promotions and top independents, along with luchador-related news from throughout the United States. The Lucha Central Weekly Podcast is part of the Lucha Central Podcast Network on LuchaCentral.com. This podcast and others from the network are also available on all major podcast streaming platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, PodBay Speaker, and more. Of course, don't forget to check out our partners at TheChairShot.com. My name is Miranda Morales, and I'm one of the co-hosts of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast, and let me introduce the rest of the team. Joining us back, thank goodness, because it was (laughs) rough last week. He is the dashing one, Mr. Dusty Murphy. Dusty, how are you? Uh,
4: I'm doing great. How are you doing, Miranda?
3: I'm good. I am so back, so glad that you are back. I I'm am glad Rita. to be back. Uh, it was wasn't the same without you. Well,
4: oh, thank you. I appreciate that.
3: And the third member of this trio is who? 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 It's the one and only Brendan Barr. That's <laughs> who. Yeah,
1: so I did, I also welcome back Dusty. It was yeah, uh, thank you. It, it was an interesting experience. Uh there were a couple things where uh you were very noticeably missed and a couple times where I made some choices to let you have some fun this week.
4: So, glad to have you back. Yeah, I'm excited to be back. Uh, good.
3: And what a week to be back because there is a lot to cover. And I know oh, I yeah. say this all the time and I know I say that I say this all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but this week we have so, so much to cover, literally news breaking as we are uh, going on air and much, much more. So we are going to get straight into it with the road back to shows with Brendan.
1: All right. Well, since you you drop that hint, I'll start right there. Uh We had a huge COVID related announcement. Uh, we're going to have ROH has announced that uh, Bandito will not be at Final Battle as well as many of the other indie events, which I've been talking about him being at because he tested positive again for COVID-19. So I don't know what he's doing, but he needs to stop it. Uh, I'll have more details on, on the, how this impacts the ROH segment in the ROH segment, which we are keeping. In the second half of the show, because we're trying to keep up with the news, it's literally happening as we're, we were prepping for this show. Um, in more fun, kind of cool news that's not at all related to uh, a global pandemic, uh, we had uh, also announced today, they announced uh, the Rey Mysterio cartoon from the Cartoon Network Latin America, Rey Mysterio vs. the Darkness uh and we'll have more details on that later as well but again this is breaking news so we're just starting with all of the the weirdness that's that's happening uh early in the week uh we did <laughs> file this under the category of of lucha is weird and people in lucha are weird jack evans was on twitter saying that he is being extorted by the, the del del Valle del Valle police department uh he he said that he believes he may be arrested for planted drugs soon because he does not plan on paying them off um as of right now, I have not heard any announcement that he's been arrested or that he's returned from mexico, so um yeah, good luck, Jack,
4: yeah, that's a scary situation. <laughs> So, I mean, we, yeah that's, and and it's one hundred percent like that, I mean, like there's no need to doubt it, I mean, like that's exactly how the police work in Mexico,
1: yeah, well, that was what I was about to bring up, like uh, the weirdness for this uh for me is that both of this is believable because Jack mm-hmm. Evans getting caught with weed on him, completely believable, however, to. Dusty, you said you've had an experience like this before, so would you yeah. be willing to share that?
4: Yeah, I, I, it, it's Mexico, and if you, you know, if you're the güero, you're the white looking guy, they will come up and harass you. I, I have been harassed on the beach before, uh, you know, like, if you're, if you're the lightest looking guy there, they'll just come up and shake you down, like they want money. And so, it, yeah, they'll pull over your car, all rental cars and like the at least in Quintana Roo down south there, they have a special sticker so that cops know it's a rental car. They will pull you over. You have to bribe your way out of it. You do not want to go to the jailhouse like it's a much more expensive. And I've literally told cops things like I have enough money for you, but not for your friends. And wow. it's just just the way Mexico is. It's yeah. And. It's. It's it's a strange thing, but that's how it works, and especially when you get into places like Mexico City, Acapulco, further north. A lot of these guys are also cartel-affiliated. That's how the cartels are able to exist is they have a lot of influence and corruption within the police departments. So you're not just pissing off the police. You're pissing off their friends when you do this, and yeah, so it we, we really don't took a cooperate.
1: lot. Yeah. Right.
4: And yeah. so Jack standing up to them is a very big deal and could have repercussions for him. So it took a lot of bravery to do that.
1: Yeah, it's uh it's kind of a scary story in that respect. Uh, so I, I definitely keep in mind my eyes and ears open on this. Uh, fortunately, Jack is is enough of a public figure in both Mexico and the United States that the repercussions are probably going to be greatly diminished but if you are on vacation um, you are in a similar situation maybe just find the money in your pocket and then find the nearest embassy because yeah uh,
4: (laughs) it's easier to pay them and get away walk away than it is to you know be locked up and especially if you're on your own like if you're not traveling with other people or in a group like yeah, it, it's definitely easier to pay them first and worry about the problems later, which it seems like Jack did.
1: Yeah, so that, uh, and then our last story, I'm going to just move right ahead because uh, I think we've covered it. Uh, our last story is kind of a fun one, too. We teased last week that uh, Expo Lucha had, had announced one more match or was going to announce one more match before uh, the weekend. So it was between the time of our recording and the time the show went up. And it's kind of a banger. Uh, They announced they were going to have Damien666 and Black Taurus against Ticosus and a Luchador Supresa, but they put a silhouette up there and the internet has gone crazy and said, that's totally Vikingo. And then they looked closer at the Instagram post where Vikingo was already tagged. So, uh, unofficially, it's going to be Damien666, Black Taurus against Ticosus. And Vikingo. So, good gosh! If you haven't already found a way to get to Philadelphia next year, uh, where is going to be in a main event match with with uh, one of the old school members of of Lucha Libre, uh, uh, you know, and Black Taurus is going to be involved too. Like this is there, there's nothing wrong with this match. This is a nearly perfect matchup. up. Uh, I'm just super excited. I don't. Did you guys? hear about this or have thoughts on this one
4: yeah i i heard about it. super exciting but my favorite part was how the it's luchador suppressa but they tagged BINGO. The kingo like that is the <laughs> most lucha thing on on yes. the whole planet and, and the like, and the
3: silhouette is pretty yes.
4: and it's clearly, <laughs> it's clearly clearly the kingo in the silhouette <laughs> yeah it's
1: it's i like to refer to the who's that pokemon segment says, you know. exactly
2: <laughs>
3: So yeah, and even in the tagging, it's like Viking is, is tagged, you know, which is a little bit more hidden. So I could, that's not anyways. Yes.
1: <laughs> but there we go. I I just thought I'd end the, the, uh, this, uh, the, yeah, the road back to shows with a fun, exciting bit of news. Uh, we're going to move on to the indie roundup where we've got some more fun stuff going on here. Uh uh a quick shout out, PWR is has announced that they're going to have the their last show, the nine twenty five show, is gonna be up on fight T V for ten dollars. So you can see Rayo de Jalisco and Mariachi Loco uh against LA Park and Hijo to LA Park and uh it's going to be a a fun that was a, this was a fun show and and well worth the ten dollars so go on and check that out for those of you who are into extreme death match Black Terry has, has put uh put the Zona twenty three up there he did not give us any sort of uh, match lineup so I can't give you results. Uh, those of you who are frequent listeners of the show know that I am not up on, not big on watching death matches, so I did not sit through this footage. It's on YouTube. If you search for Zona Twenty Three, uh, you will find you will find uh, the highlights from from this week. And uh, again, if you're into the death match stuff, Zona Twenty Three is always well worth the watch, and this is really high quality footage. Which added to the, I'm not going to sit through this because I I don't need to see uptight, close footage of people getting skewers in their foreheads. That's just not my scene. Um.
3: (laughs) Do you even know wrestling, Brendan? Like, do you (laughs) even watch it?
1: Like... I totally watch wrestling. Uh, <laughs> you, you you, know, actually, we were at, at uh, the same GCW show where somebody, uh, you know, was getting skewers in his forehead. And I was uh, in the bathroom talking to your friends instead of I watching was. that night. I had
3: to, I had to help the bleeding from his head. He was <laughs> bleeding. And I had to stop, make sure. Poor right? <laughs> and Cody got cut cutthroat Cody just bled all over the place. Jeez, yes. Oh my gosh. That was a bloody show.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh it, it was uh, you know, for like I say, for fans who are into that, this is very worth it, just like that show was. Uh unfortunately, I, I apologize. I did not sit through that again. In the feedback, if you really want to torture me, tell me you want to hear more results of these death matches and I will sit down and watch them for you. But until you make me do it, I'm not gonna. Um the results are out for the Crash MLW show. Um, I am intentionally not going to give you the results for, for though, for this because uh, it is most likely most of these matches are going to wind up on MLW TV. We'll have more on info on that later in the show. Um I will mention that, uh, we had, a, it had a nice mix of Indian AAA talents like Proximo, Adrian Quest, Mecha Wolf, Extreme Tiger, Aramis, Black Danger, Seas Jr., Black Destiny, Dinamo, Aerostar Drago, Bestia 666, Olive Hinetes Del Aire, Ray Orus, Ana 3 Jr. And, and Black Taurus. So it's a loaded card. And that's not... I, I took out anybody that was obviously MLW from this. There's a couple people in here who kind of swing both ways on that. Um So it's it's a loaded card. I'm re- really looking forward to seeing these matches. But that's why I don't want to give... If you are the person that needs the spoilers, they're out there. If you uh just want the little tease and want to know that it's time to start watching MLW... We'll talk more about that later in the show. Uh, we were just, we just, uh, teased the GCW and they had a bunch of lucha t- matches this, this last weekend too. On, uh, on the 4th, they had a card called So Alive from, uh, Irving in the Irving area in Dallas, Texas. This, uh, lucha matches this featured. Uh, Tony Deppen, Demonic Lamita, uh, uh, Tony Deppen winning a scramble match which featured Demonic Flamita, Fuego del Sol, Dragon Kid, Nick Wayne, Gringo Loco, and Sam, Sam Stackhouse and Durain. So, already off to a fantastic start there. I've seen some footage of that, uh, it's all floating around, but, uh, GCW stuff. Always worth going over to IWTV when it comes up. Uh, the World Tag Team match, the Briscoes defeated Ninja Mac and Dante Leon to retain their GCW World Tag Team titles. Those of you who remember, Ninja Mac was also on a AAA show, uh, I guess six months ago now, but, uh, uh, you know, so if, uh, you, you are into into a uh, masked luchador gimmicks that he's kind of, he's kind of partway there. Uh, Thunder Rosa had a match with Ali Katz that she wound up winning. Uh, that uh, is just on paper. That is the match that I have to go hunt down and find. So there you go. Uh, so that was the twelve four four show GCW So alive. They also had GCW So high where you had Allie Katz in a match with Gino Medina uh, and she wound up on top on that. I need to see the story on that because I'm not sure how that, the, they're both good, but Gino's my boy. He needs to win the, that match. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Ninja Mac had another match against Jimmy Lloyd. He came out on top on that. We had the, probably the most gift match here, which featured ASF, Drago Kid, against Chris Carter. Uh ASF, Drago Kid and Chris Carter against Gringo, Loco, Demonic, Flamida, and Low Rider. So uh you know, it's just there was crazy stuff that happened there. Drago Kid is, is was super gifts from both of these matches. He's definitely a younger talent to keep your eye on. And then uh Bandito beat Tony Deppin in the main event. So that was those were our G C W events. Um did did either of you guys want to I'm going to end the segment unless you guys have something you want to say
4: I I did want to add the okay. uh, GCW announced just a little bit ago that Dr. Wagner would be appearing for them in Dallas February the 5th
1: Yeah yeah okay yeah. great ca- catch I uh, I thought yeah, it was uh, literally
4: just minutes ago that they announced
1: mm-hmm, it. Yeah, yeah, I thought they'd already announced that, but I'm I.
4: Yeah. I saw it on social that's media true. posted.
3: Yeah, it just got it just got ago. posted. So
1: okay, that's my bad for for thinking they were oh, had already done it. Thank you for for that. That's uh. Man, now I gotta figure out how to get to, to Dallas for a match too.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know.
4: Uh, <laughs> that's that's my thoughts, like ugh, you know, Doctor Wagner <laughs> Like I really want to see Doctor Wagner. So yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, and, and I mean he's still good. I've seen him live mm-hmm. a couple of times, he's still good. So for those of you who have not had the chance to see him live, this this is a really good chance, uh, and we never you never know when he'll round that corner to Maybe he should, shouldn't should have done that match, but uh, he's not there yet. That's my uh, road back to show – or, I'm sorry, my indie roundup for this week.
3: Uh, I uh, do want to throw out just two things. Okay. One, uh, just uh, this past Sunday in Phoenix, Arizona, Board Promotions had a show that was a pretty stacked card. Um, it included a trios match with Lil Cholo. Mr. Iguana making his Arizona debut in Mini Fusion versus the team of Los Guerreros de Aire, uh, Hijo del Impastor, El Dragon, who are featured very regularly, um, uh, oh gosh, um, trying to remember the promotion that they work in, um, but, uh, more in, in the Texas area, El Paso area, uh, and then Skybird, uh, where, uh, Los Guerreros de Aire won, um but big reaction lovely reaction for Mr. Iguana uh and then the main event you had uh Aerio and Damian 666 versus Pagano and Psycho Clown um and Psycho Clown was bombarded with people the entire show in the entire show um such a great turnout but a big uh congratulations to board promotions uh, for throwing such a great Lucha yes. Libre show, uh, um, with such a great roster and talent. Um, finally got to meet Mr. Iguana in person, which was very great. And he is just as lovely in person as he is. You know, they say never meet your heroes, but he is someone you absolutely want to seek out and meet because he is truly. Um, uh, a spectacular uh, person. I also want to do one last reminder uh, of the Mass Republic Lucha Libre Mexicana show, which is oh, yes. happening this Saturday, December 11th at 7pm um, Cathedral City, California uh, at the Agua Caliente Casino. Tickets are still just $10 and if you're over the age of 21, you get $5 in casino credit uh, scheduled to appear the legendary Falino uh, making his uh, lucha libre uh, "Viva la Lucha Libre" debut uh, along with uh, Falino Jr. Uh, the NWA World Tag Team Champions Beastie 666 and Mechawolf, Wolf will also be in action. Psychosis, of course, Super Astral Jr. Uh, El Kukui from PWR, uh, Diablo Azteca uh diosa quetzal will also be making her viva la lucha libre debut so again a packed show for just ten dollars plus five dollar casino credit um in cathedral city california i will be there so i will make sure to bring back results to the show next week
1: so i that that is uh very potentially our last chance to see diosa quetzal as all as she's been rumbling about wanting to retire um, it is a lucha retirement, so uh, you, you know mileage may vary on it. But yeah, worth worth your time if you haven't seen it to to get out there to Cathedral City. I'm kind of jealous you get to do it. I have a question for you, Miranda. Yes. Was Was Yeska jealous when you were talking with uh, Mr. Iguana?
3: You know, Yeska <laughs> was not around, uh, but I did talk to Mr. Iguana about how Phoenix is the right temperature for Yeska. Um, that dry heat in December is a perfect time of year. So she seemed to actually be very happy. She had some great spots in the match as well. Um, she was exhausted. Uh, Mr. Iguana in mini fusion had to carry her out of the ring. She was just really drained after the match. It was a very intense match. Um, but really one of the highlights of the entire night. So, um, And Mr. Iguana was noting how he, uh, believe this weekend he's traveling to North Carolina and Chicago. Um, or at least, or maybe it was last week or this past week. Um, so Mr. Iguana is continuing to hit the U.S. in all places. Yeah. Um, so you may see Mr. Iguana at a local Lucha Libre show. Um, so I, I just highly recommend watching him in person. He is just as fun and entertaining as you see in all the videos. And he's genuinely such a nice, kind person.
4: So cool. You love it when the people that seem that way genuinely are that way. And, yeah, yeah, incredible. Yes.
3: I told you we had a pack show, and that's just the beginning. (laughs) Thank you, Brendan, for the road back to shows and the indie roundup. Up next, you know what time it is. We're going to kick it off to Denise Alcedo letting us, you know, us know, everyone know what's happening throughout the Lucha Central Podcast Network with this week's Lucha Central Central.
2: Get the full lineup and listen to all of our shows in the Podcast Network section of LuchaCentral.com. On Tuesdays, Mass Mats, and Mayhem takes you inside the world of Lucha Underground as they take you weekly through the series with the benefit of hindsight and the benefit of special guests from the groundbreaking series. Check out the premiere video stream every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Lucha Central YouTube channel and at luchacentral.com. Then listen to it on your favorite podcast platform every Wednesday. Special guests and a whole lot of fun make it one of the most talked about shows in Mexico. Thursdays, it's straight out of the bodega with Papo Esco and PWR promoter Gabriel Ramirez as they have guests from throughout the wrestling world pull up to give an inside look into their careers. From indie standouts to television superstars, each week brings a new name and perspective. On Friday, it's your double dose of Lucha Central Weekly podcasts, one in English y el otro en Español. Lucha Central Weekly is where you'll find all the top stories of the week, both inside and out of the ring from Mexico and anywhere luchadores are in action across the globe. Be sure to subscribe and follow all your favorite Lucha Central Network series on your favorite podcast platforms, either by their own series name the Lucha Brothers, as well as Japanese legend Ultimo Dragon. Go to Lucha-Masks.com and fight Lucha Strong with masks from your favorite Lucha legends and Pro Wrestling Revolution luchadores. Stay safe in style and represent your favorite luchador. Get yours
3: now at Lucha-Masks.com powered by Pro Wrestling Revolution. And we're back now with really the nitty-gritty of the news this week. And how can we not talk about Triple Main Eurasia? I mean, it so much happened from it. It really took the world of Lucha Libre and just pro wrestling by storm. So, Dusty, go ahead. What happened?
4: Okay. A lot happened, actually. (laughs) But we'll run down the results first, and then we'll discuss the highlights. The first match of the show saw Flamer, La Itra, and Lady Maravilla Defeating Fabi Apache, Lady Shawnee, and Sexy Star 2. Second match of the card, Saquatrero, Forestero, and Sansone. Defeating Carda Jr., Mocha Jr., and Tito Santana Jr., and also, the or Tito Santana, apologies, and also the uh, Vipers team of Abismo Negro Jr., Ares, and Psychosis 2. Uh, then we had Diamante Azul, Puma King, Sam Adonis defeating Chessman, Dave the Clown, and Murder Clown. Sam Adonis had a scary moonsault in that match, but he seems to be doing well. We had Dragon, next match on the card, Dragon Lee and Drillistico defeating Laredo Kid. And surprise wrestler Willie Mack, who was honestly the most over-foreigner on the card. Pretty great night for Willie Mack. Next match, FTR, Cash Wheeler, and Dax Hardwood defeated Lucha Bros, Phoenix, and Pentagon Jr. The next match was Kane Velasquez, Pagano, and Psycho Clown versus L.A. Park, Reyes Scorpion, and Taurus. And our main event, E.L. Del Vikingo, defeated Samurai Soul, Vandito, Bobby Fish, and Jay Lethal to become the Mega Campeon Champion. An amazing show. First up, we'll discuss FTR versus the Lucha Bros. And what was a surprise to me? And At first, I thought it was just a surprise to me. Uh, I was a little out of the weather last week. But apparently, it was a surprise to everybody. They, it was a ladder match for the tag team titles. They just kind of brought that out of nowhere. I mean,
3: that was, is that a pun to say that escalated quickly? <laughs> but,
1: uh, uh, so, question for you, Dusty. Were you watching the, uh, the Fight English commentary or the Spanish commentary?
4: Very. the spanish commentary. Okay. Yeah.
1: <laughs> this is one of the areas where watching the English really helped with that because that it became very obvious it was a last minute change. So Was it? Yeah. yeah. They they uh they clearly had notes and uh Matt Stryker is not afraid to say uh this is a change that I wasn't made aware of.
4: So yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there there we go.
4: Yeah. It it, it Besides the surprise, this was a really solid and a really exciting match. Um, I was kind of surprised, again, how adeptly FTR handled the switch to a ladder match. You would think that the you know ladder match would be more of the Lucha Bros territory, but FTR did a great job. I thought they acclimated to Mexico really well. I thought they did a great job. They kind of did the foreign heels thing where they were all American flag, the jingoistic thing. I'm not a big fan of that. But AAA seems to be, that seems to be a thing they like to do. And, uh, you know.
1: A a note on that, actually, is uh, according to Vicky, who came out with them, they were, uh, those were tribute outfits to uh, Los Gringos Loco.
4: Oh, very cool. I had wondered about that, but I wasn't sure. I thought maybe it was just kind of the... United States heel in Mexico, but yeah, very cool. Uh, speaking of Vicky, this was her first appearance in AAA, and I think her first appearance in Mexico that wasn't with WWE. I don't even know if she's been with WWE to actually appear in Mexico. Uh, she really showed the crowd how heel heat is done. I, they didn't seem <laughs> yeah. to have a whole lot of heel heat for… FTR but for Vicky they did like they just got earlier in the show before the match they harass Hugo kind of march him out make him you know say all their insults and everything and uh, (laughs) yeah it was just so cool how she turned the crowd against her pretty much instantly that's a unique talent and for a lesser person, I mean, you could see where the booze might get to you. But Vicky loves it; like she loves to be the heel, and she's really good at it. So that's yeah. fun. And go ahead, Brenda. Sorry. Oh no, no, I'm just uh, that was just yeah, yeah I was just it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that Vicky was great. She was kind of the best part of FTR for me. But I honestly thought this was one of the best matches, if not the best match we've seen between these two guys. Something about the prestige of Triple Mania, the excitement of the night, the ladder match, all the stuff going on. It seemed to me that it helped propel FTR to a level that I didn't expect, especially in Mexico. Like I mentioned how adept they were at the match, but they... You think of them as such a mat based and such a Brawl-based team. They literally had the tagline, no flips, just fists, at one time. But they just yeah they they were fantastic it really impressed me however pinta was really the star of this match in my opinion he had a great spot where his mask was tied up in the ring ropes ftr were climbing the ladder he had to take the mask off while hiding his face and also knock the ladder over to help lucha bros stay in the match great spot the finish of yeah The finish saw Vicky throw powder in Pentagon's face, and he jumped off the ladder backwards and fell through a table while Dax Hardwood unhooked the belts and got FTR the win. Like this was such a, I mean, I I was excited for this match, but it was such an impressive and it was beyond what I expected from these guys. And I really liked that. Loved the addition of the ladder match. And for being a last minute addition, everybody rolled with the change just beautifully. I, you know, really recommend this match. It's nothing new, nothing we haven't seen before, but they do it in a way that's so engaging and entertaining that you can't help but, you know, enjoy it. Uh, You can't help but feel incensed when Vicky throws that powder in Pentagon's face. Like, it, it, so you, it's, yeah. yeah. You were already <laughs> angry at her. Like
1: yes. To yeah. your point, like she she did such a good job of, t- and that would have been a very pro Vicky crowd if she hadn't.
3: Yeah, she had under she thing. understood the assignment. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do I do want
1: to do one thing here, Dusty. Uh, this is a this is a common mistake I hear, and and thirteen year old boys all over the internet are tittering every time. It's Dax. Harwood, there is no D. In it.
3: <laughs> Harwood, huh? Good to know. <laughs> I learned something new today. Harwood, that's Harwood.
1: No, no D, no D. So yeah, uh, <laughs> all just, this time, <laughs> just, it's it's just the all uh, the, my inner thirteen-year-old boy giggles every time you you say his name the other way, and I just. <laughs>
3: Yeah,
4: yeah, I've always said it that way. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I was today years old when I learned. <laughs> uh, our next match on the card, uh, we we had the big trios match between Kane Velasquez, Pagano, Psycho Clown versus LA Park, Reyes, Scorpion, and Taurus. But the true story of this match was Kane Velasquez and LA Park l a Park was obviously the Rudo, and he was trying his damnedest like he needed to talk to Vicky before the show because he had the crowd just eating out of the palm of his hand. They were one hundred percent on his side and were surprisingly very anti Kane Velasquez because they just had that Rudo love for l a park and they weren't especially were not happy when Kane won. he put Park in an arm bar submission. Rayo de Jalisco had showed up to distract LA Park, Yay. leading the cane, getting the submission. It's so cool to see him. I I feel like it may possibly be building something between them for Triple A, Rayo de Jalisco and LA Park, but Rayo's also like sixty years old, maybe over sixty. and I I don't know what they're gonna do with him. Cool to see him though. Uh the uh, sorry, the part I really enjoyed though was the interactions between Kane Velasquez and LA Park. They had that undefinable quality in the match. Uh, I think we may see a singles feud between them just based on the crowd reaction. But it was easily the biggest crowd reaction after the match. Nuevo Generacion Dinamita show up and Rayo he had to heal on them too. He reminded Cuatrero and Sanson that he won their yeah. father CN Caris's masks, kind of seemingly threatening to take theirs as well. Take really their, good uh, stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: That was, that was my takeaway from my limited Spanish was I took your dad's mask and your dad's hair and I'll take, I'll take
4: yours too if you guys get in my
1: way. It was more or, yeah. or less how I heard. Yeah.
4: Dang. Uh, <laughs> um, I can get behind angry badass <laughs> grandpa at Rio de Jalisco. Like <laughs> yes, I, I, yes. I could, yeah. 100%. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah.
1: I did, I did want to comment on, uh, the, the fact that, uh, obviously LA Park was super over. But, uh, Lucha Blog, among other people, posted a theory that, uh, it, that goes to certain amounts of Mexican culture we don't necessarily talk about as much. Kane performed in a mask in this. Yes. Uh, he did. Kind and, of a uh,
4: Sun Devils, like the Arizona State Sun Devils style.
1: Yeah. That,
4: mm-hmm. I saw it compared to that, and that, that's very accurate for what it was.
1: It did look very much like the Sun Devils mask. Uh, so, so the speculation there is that some of the heat on him was because he kind of had the audacity to ad- adapt this mass culture. while he's still pretty much viewed as an outsider. So, and obviously, L.A. Park is a homegrown talent that people have loved for generations. So, um, just I just wanted to touch on that. I thought that was an interesting angle on that story. That uh,
4: yeah, he had yeah. kind of a. Uh- <laughs> Like a bull, I guess you call it mask before. And yeah, and
1: he he wore that as more of a presentation mask, as I
4: remember. Yeah, like like there. an entrance, yeah, to the yeah. ring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, very. Yeah, the things you don't think about in the culture that exists within lucha, it, it's so cool. Like the subtleties. Yes. And,
3: and and I think it's for some people. Some are a, a bit more on the traditionalist side. <laughs> And I think that's very much more rooted in in the traditional culture where now even I I remember seeing and hearing some comments about people even who have um, issues with presentation masks, masks that are put on and off. Um, because it's masks are such a definitive thing. When they're on, they're on, and when they're off, they're off. So I feel like it's also, um, uh, for some people, a new school, old school mentality. Um, when it comes to mask wearing, I think there's a group that's a lot more open minded about masks and their presentations and their utilizations, while there's definitely a group that is much more traditional with, with, um, the wearing of masks
1: and if any group is going to rally behind a wrestler it's the traditionalists are going to rally behind LA Park. Oh yeah. So, yeah that's yeah. kind of It's kind of that's kind of the recipe there for this this perfect storm. Uh,
4: also on the card, we had as I mentioned, e. El Dillvikingo winning the Mega Campeon Championship. No he big won deal. it for the first time <laughs> defeating Bobby Fish, Jay Lethal, Samurai Del Sol, formerly known as Kalisto in WWE and Bandito. Kenny Omega was originally supposed to defend the Mega Campeon Championship against Vikingo, but he was forced to vacate the title due to injury after holding the championship for 765 consecutive days. And what a match. Despite not being what Kenny Omega versus Vikingo would have been, it was still an excellent match. I personally wasn't a fan of some of the American editions uh, like Jay Lethal, Bobby Fish, but the crowd actually seemed to be very excited for the chance to see some American luchadors mixing it up with – the or American wrestlers mixing it up with the luchadors. So I can't begrudge them that. you got to remember the in-house crowd and the local fans too. So even though we see these guys a lot, they don't, especially locally. I understand the excitement now, after having seen the crowd. Vikingo won the match with the reverse four fifty splash on Samurai del Sol, so cool, despite feeling Kenny Omega's absence in this match. It was clear that it was Vikingo's night as his work had him just head and shoulders above the rest of the talent in technique and in main event momentum and, and by that, I mean, there was never any question. That this was a guaranteed win for Vikingo or that this wasn't the night he was going to be, you know, vaulted into being the top of the card talent. Cause we've all known it. We've talked about it for years. Vikingo is the guy. Mm-hmm. Even with the inclusion of Bandito, Vikingo was clearly the best wrestler in the match. Like his panache, his charisma, his believability, the, um, the emotional, Attachment to seeing him win the title, the emotions of the other wrestlers seeing him win the title. It was just incredible and it made for such a fantastic and feel good moment. vikingo's had a really great couple of years. He became a dad recently. He's mega campeon champion. He's arguably the biggest star in AAA, at least the biggest rising star. He's not necessarily at a psycho clown level yet, but if you're in the know and you know good wrestling, you know Vikingo. People mm-hmm. that I know that watch wrestling or people that on my social media that are wrestling fans that don't necessarily watch Lucha or aren't Lucha fans were talking to me about Vikingo this yes. week. They mm-hmm. wanted to talk the, about Vikingo.
1: The fight chat room, uh, in the English side was about two matches. It was the, the AAA tag title matches. And, uh, the match that Vikingo was in. I couldn't even name anybody else who was in it, but that was the, before the, the match started, but those was the two things they chattered about all night long. So Vikingo is definitely the guy that is reaching across the... Yes. the the aisles
3: here he he is it has been i i think a lot of that came about when triple a did uh the uh the lucha fighter series um i think that was something that really made him stand out and Mm -hmm. i think just the you know people within the lucha world that is a name you continuously hear on all levels so it's he's he's just picking up that momentum everywhere he goes
1: and Conan constantly name dropping him on the podcast, like you know that's he's reaching an English speaking audience on that podcast, and right constant constantly talking about Vikingo being the next big thing
4: well, and even like Kenny Omega mentioning Vikingo, I was surprised how many people i I have a wrestling friend who who only follows a e w like that's the only promotion he follows. he was a lapsed fan for about twenty years after wcw ended he just stopped he didn't watch wrestling during the pandemic he started watching aew and even he wanted to know because he had heard kenny omega mentioned vikingo and so he's like what's vikingo like you know is he any good and the just the name recognition from word of mouth even in the internet era has been incredible for vikingo he is mm-hmm. he's a star he he's a star he's going to be a main event guy this was clearly his ascension to the top of the card Uh his he's so talented and his character is unique there's some uh He did some tapings recently. I saw some clips from – I won't spoil anything. He's got a new helmet that's, like, so (laughs) cool. Like, he has got the presentation figured out. He's got the moves figured out, the charisma, the body language. He doesn't even need to be able to cut a promo with what he can do. His work speaks for itself. He is going to be the guy. I think within the next two to five years, he's going to be the guy somewhere in America, too. He's just too good to to stay down. And I, I want to get to this so that we've for sure got time. We had the return of Ty Valkyrie and Triple.
2: Yes. Yeah.
4: Ah, so exciting. It was one of the biggest surprises of the night, and a taped promo reminiscent of both Rey Mysterio and Andrade showing up in AAA promos after their WWE releases. We saw Taya Valkyrie. I mean, that's pretty good company to be in for all three of them. Like, they're all equally lucky. She showed up to challenge Diana Parrazzo for the AAA Reina de Reina's Championship. Later that evening, that Saturday evening on Twitter, she announced that she was now a free agent and is currently accepting bookings. She hadn't been in AAA since tw- December 2019 when she was a lumberjack at Guerrera de Titans, and her three reigns as Reina's champion lasted an outstanding 945 days. She is the longest-reigning women's champion AAA of all time. And so Yeah, and that uh,
1: match that she had – for the the third reign that that ended basically in a hardcore situation, still talked about to this day as one of the yes. best matches Triple A has, has put on, period. Like I don't even wanna talk about women's division. It was just that good.
4: That's when Taya went from being a star to a superstar. Like that Mm -hmm. match was, I mean, Mm -hmm. oh, she, she could do it all. She could, the bloody stuff, the violent stuff. People talk about Britt Baker. Britt Baker does a lot of that same stuff, but Taya started it. She was the originator. There would Mm -hmm. be no Britt Baker. There would be no blood and guts Thunder Rosa if Taya had not had that match in Preach. Yeah. I mean, yeah. She, she shattered those expectations and those blocks along the way and she doesn't get the credit that she deserves for being an innovator and a trailblazer, but Taya really has been. And mm-hmm. yeah, the the way things went in NXT, like they they just fucked up. But Taya <laughs> is going to be the star. I mean like they yes. can you imagine having Taya not making her the star they've done that. Like, one up.
3: championship
4: match oh, Yeah I mean, like, you
3: Come know. we <laughs> get to the WWE portion of the show where we can tell yeah. more about what they messed up.
1: I, I understand them wanting to, to do forward focusing on the young people. I'm just going to say that. But, yeah, there was yeah. – there, they still could have done so much better. We can go into that later.
4: <laughs> we also – there was some chatter. Brendan knows a little bit more about it, about Omega being stripped of the title, but Deonna Perazzo wasn't. But I think it's obvious it's because they were waiting for Taya. What, yeah, do, no, what do you think? Well, that's just it. So in the story, what
1: they said was Kenny Omega hadn't defended the championship in too long and wasn't going to be able to. Uh, so I think the defining difference in story will be the fact that uh, Deanna Parasso in Theory will be available. Now, uh, I can't remember. One of the two of you posted some stuff about her not appearing at other shows as well.
4: Right, Uh, yeah. There was some information on Fightful regarding her lack of return to Impact, and that that was kind of her choice, that her character is sick of seeing the title, and, you know, couldn't stand to see it if it wasn't her title, so she was going to focus her efforts elsewhere. Okay. Very exciting for us as Lucha fans. That's honestly a main event matchup for AAA. Yeah. Oh,
3: that's going to shake the world in 2021, or 2022.
1: So yes. that that seems to be where you know, and we're getting this match out of it. So I am not upset that they got different but equal, uh, different different treatment and and somewhat unequal. But uh, we also know we're going to get that that uh, Vikingo Omega match whenever Omega is healthy. So uh, I I'm I'm excited for all of this. Maybe we'll get both of those matches on the same card. Uh, yeah. That, that's that is one of the things I do want to address, because I saw a lot of this in the English commentary. This card on paper was fantastic. Uh, some of the matches didn't live up to expectations. Uh, a lot of American fans are kind of unaware of AAA's chaotic structure, so they were getting a little frustrated by the majority of the matches ending with outside interference or run-in or... You know, just Vicky throwing powder in the face. Like it just to them, it all felt like it was same, samey. Without realizing that in AAA, this is the, a lot of these finishes are the normal. And the fact that we were getting a variety of run ins, we were getting a heel run in versus a baby face run in. You had ter- the Tarante's angle and the women's match at the beginning, uh, which we did barely even touched on. All of this was different to us, but I guess to a casual fan, it just looked like every job was a screw job ending. I just wanted to address that, you know, there's a definitely a different kind of climate in AAA for how they, they handled their matches. Although I agree to a certain extent that not all of this card lived up, lived up to my expectation. However, the two matches we were just talking about. Exceeded, so I was still super happy with the whole, the whole card overall.
4: The referees thing. A friend of mine that, had, you know, was familiar with AAA but ha- or with Lucha, I guess, but hadn't watched a Triple Mania before, said, "So why are the referees? You know, what's the deal with the referees?" And I was like, "Oh, you know, you can be bribed. There's good guys. There's bad guys." He's like, "Oh, I just figured all officials in Mexico were corrupt."
1: Oh, God. <laughs> see, see, and that's and that's why it works. That's why Torontos character works because the Mexicans are just like, whatever. It's just yeah. like the police, right? You know. Of course, of course the guy can be bribed. That's why Torontes was being introduced with the Brudos team in the match as a, even though he was ter, ter, oh, sorry, he hooded uh even though he was also supposed to be the referee because everybody knew even the, uh, in storyline, even the uh, AAA officials knew he was the bad guy and he was going to try and help them win. They still put him in that match.
4: Yeah. Very cool. And also, um, I believe Vakingo has made his first title defense.
1: Yes, yeah, so I don't have a lot of details on
4: this yet. Uh, it was,
1: uh, he defended in Saltillo on the uh, AAA Barba spot show. Uh, the Sunday after the, or last Sunday. Uh, and this was against Laredo Kit. So it was, it, it sounds like it was gonna be a banger. Uh, it, the the uh shows, according to Lucha Blog, are usually taped and put up on mass Lucha, but it may be as much as a couple of months before we see it. Uh but that so technically this is the first defense. I'm sure Triple A will not mention this when he defends it on one of their actual TV shows, and then the, it'll this one will get added into the middle somewhere. But yeah. Uh he has defended in a match against Laredo Kid. I am super jealous I haven't seen it.
4: Yeah, it sounds
1: amazing.
3: <laughs> we must find it. It must be on the <laughs> internet.
1: Yeah, well, it will be. Mos Lucha is very reliable about putting that stuff up. Just they have to, they have to do things semi-legitimately and, and wait for rights and whatever else. I'm just, I'm gonna say bribes because that's our theme of the night. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Yeah, for all this AAA news and more, Triple Mania news, everything else, reviews, be sure to check out luchacentral.com. Pep Carreras got all kinds of reviews and everything else on there, all about lucha libre, and it's all free at luchacentral.com. Well, does. Oh, go but,
3: ahead. I, know, I was going to say, yeah, an area that uh, Brendan and I struggled a little bit last week, <laughs> and we just spent half the time kind of complaining about storyline, <laughs> is AEW. So please take us back to basics with what happened this week in AEW television.
4: Yeah, first up, we had Rampage. Friday night, we saw Death Triangle, the team of Pinta and Pac versus FTR. This was a non-title match with Alex Abrahantes and Tully Blanchard seconds. It was really set to whet our appetite for the next night's Triple Mania Regia match. But Pac stepped in to replace Phoenix due to Phoenix having some visa issues. He was unable to get back from Mexico in time with everything going on. So Pac stepped in. This was a great match. I mean, it was very excellent. 20 minutes long. It had everything you'd expect from it, but without really going anywhere, we saw a dusty finish at the end that saw Malachi Black run in and hit Pack with Black Mist after Harwood, not Hardwood, faked a knee injury <laughs> <laughs> before getting the pin for FTR. It set up the more of the feud with FTR at the Lucha bros. I think that's eventually building to a winner takes all AEW titles versus triple a titles, but you know, it, it, it could be anybody's be guess. Yeah. yeah. And I, I don't know that it will be Lucha bros night, the way things are going. I hope so that we've also got the Malachi black thing with Pac, and they have their feud. That's ongoing. A lot of, You know, wheels in motion right now in AEW, and I noticed during this, and like after the match, well, I was thinking, especially after I was thinking about it and through the weekend, that this is where AEW really succeeds over WWE, and where WWE used to excel is they weave all these things together into one continuous storyline. You're seeing guys mix it up during the Attitude Era. That was like WWE's thing. WWF Mm -hmm. at the time, they everybody got woven in the stories and. Included everybody, matches included everybody, and advanced the stories. They really had a good thing going, and AEW just does such a good job at that. We talked about the winner takes all. When AEW builds to a story, they don't swerve us to surprise us for no reason just because Mm -hmm. we might have figured out what it was. They allow us to engage in that emotional reward of investing in the story and knowing where it's going and getting the conclusion we hoped for and expected. Like That's their thing. Really a big difference in the, the storytelling and the matches. Just a, a strong difference in the product that I noticed on Rampage. Uh, Dark Elevation had nothing terribly applicable, but Tuesday Dark had the return of Mysterioso in AEW. He is Rey Mysterio's cousin, I believe. He's a member of the family. He wrestled against Lee Moriarty. It was the opening match of the night. It was extremely solid match. Mysterioso looked like a star as much as Moriarty did. It could have been anybody's match. Mysterioso got in a ton of great offense. It really looked at times like he was going to get the pin and win, but it was just Moriarty's night. He picked up the win. Both guys looked fantastic, though. It did as much for Mysterioso as it did for Moriarty, even though it was a big win for Moriarty. Great work from them. Uh, Mysterioso is showing up in New Japan off and on now. A lot of good stuff. And speaking of New Japan, we had Rocky Romero on AEW Dynamite this Wednesday night. It was fantastic. He joined Chuck Taylor. They wrestled against the Young Bucks. The match was largely to put over the return of Trent Beretta and his lovely mother, Sue. But it was so cool to see Rocky Romero on Dynamite. Like, that was a a real thrill for me. The Young Bucks are back, and this was very much a traditional Young Bucks-style match. It offered nothing new. If you don't like the Young Bucks, this wasn't your thing. This could have easily been right at home in New Japan 10 years ago. Like, this match was that kind of match. If you like that, that's great. They did a great job. If it's not your thing, it's still not going to be your thing. The Bucks don't offer anything new. But the Melange and uh, styles and the globalization of what were regional styles, even 10 years ago, are these days coming together in ways that you couldn't have expected and nowhere is it more apparent than in AEW. Like, you're seeing the Lucha thing come together with the Japanese thing, the the strong style, Japanese style. Uh, Rocky Romero's Black Tiger at one time in New Japan. I mean, so... Much cool stuff going on and you're seeing it all come together in this match. Really fun and entertaining. At the end, Romero hit a backslide on Matt for a two count, but Nick hit the Meltzer driver and got the Bucks the win and 15 minutes and 41 seconds. Nice. Yeah, it was a, yeah. not, not a, not a huge week for Lucha and AEW, but a fun week and AEW, lots of good stuff.
1: I did want to touch back on a couple of things, uh, touch back on one thing. So last week when we covered, uh, we, I teased that the, they also had the Sam Guevara title defense on that rampage and I thought you were going to talk about it. So I said we were going to talk about it. Yeah. It was, it's a fantastic match. That's the thing. It's always a fantastic match. But the other reason I bring that up is because uh while we were recording Jose put up a tweet showing uh Jose I was showing uh the, showing Andrade in his uh tranquilo pose and showing Sammy in his uh kind of showy uh pose and said that uh, this is the the actual uh, open title
4: match everybody wants to see Ooh, so yeah Ooh.
2: it yeah. was a great
4: <laughs> match against tony Niece. they had recorded rampage after the previous dynamite and yeah. the crowd was a little dull you could tell they were tired you could tell it was late but during the sammy Guevara match they really woke up i mean they came to life it was a lot of fun they were super evenly matched for I a lot of it, like it could have been anybody's match at times. Sammy was able to hit the GTH, retained the win, so cool. I to begin with was not a big fan of Sammy as a baby face. Like I I didn't get yeah. it. Not that I didn't get it, but I, <laughs> I loved the Rudo Sammy so much. But the way that the fans have gotten behind him and the quality of the matches he has kept putting on. I mean, yeah. we, we talk about Vikingo. I mean, Sammy is almost in the same spot. Quality yeah. match after quality match. He's great on the microphone. When he's a heel, you love to hate him. When, when he's a face, you hate how much you love him. You know, it's like, he's <laughs> so good. And yeah. Sammy is the total package. As much as of um, yeah, just people talk about the four pillars of AEW, and truly I think Sammy has more promise than MJF or Jungle Boy. Not to say that they don't have promise, yeah. but I, I genuinely think Sammy's talent is going to carry him further than it carries them. So you know that they are going to be main eventers in AEW. But Absolutely. But
1: our opinion is that Sammy is going to be – kind of
4: almost a legendary figure that will be talked about. Absolutely. Uh, I think, you know, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I, I I think he'll be well remembered. He's going to be one of the guys that, like you say, he's going to be a Chris (laughs) Jericho. I mean, it's easy to make the Chris Jericho comparison when they're both Mm -hmm. in inner circle, but he genuinely has that genesis qual like Chris Jericho had when he was young in WCW. This is the same. I mean, and maybe Sammy might be younger than Jericho was at the time. I mean, he's really yeah. still a young guy. Yeah. Yep. And, yeah, he – not not that they're not all going to be main event stars, but some people are stars and some people are legends. Like Brendan said, yeah. Sammy's going to be a legend. We, you heard it here, folks. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> remember this. Ten years from now, you'll be like, I remember those three weirdos on uh, uh, – uh, <laughs> Lucha Central said that this was going to happen, and I was laughing the whole time because that one guy kept saying hardwood, and they couldn't remember anybody's names, but uh they were right about that.
4: Yeah. <laughs> Oh, and I do want to mention we talked about Jack Evans earlier and his situation, and it seems things have just not been going his way. A fan on Twitter had made a post, a tweet, about how he was worried for the Hybrid Two after there had been so many high-profile signings in AEW lately. Mm-hmm. Was there still a place for a, you know, like a lower mid-card tag team like the Hybrid Two? And Jack Evans, you know, retweeted him and said something to the effect of, you just read my mind. And it, it's, it's just, yeah. It's a
1: legitimate question. And we talked a lot about that in our, in the, uh, Miranda is kind of rant about what's happening, uh, over at AEW to Lucha Talent last week. Uh, yeah, the, the, the new toy syndrome really is putting them in a bad place. Mm-hmm. It absolutely I
3: just get is. hot about it because they, they're <laughs> assigning so many people and people get lost in the shuffle.
1: It's true. Yeah, it's true. In some cases, I'm not upset about that. And others like this one, I'm super upset about it. So, you know, it's a mixed bag for me. Like, I, I'm, we're, a couple guys definitely are missing out on big – I shouldn't say guys. A couple people are definitely missing out on really big opportunities, whereas a couple other people – uh, are are going to are learning the hard lesson that they really should have taken advantage of the opportunity when they have it. So,
4: right. I, I can't <laughs> help, but think about that match between Jack and Kenny Omega, where he got blown up like three or four minutes into it and was just sucking air the whole time, you know, and obviously out yeah. of his element, he was not the Jack Evans we all remembered. And I feel like that completely derailed everything for them and a w lately when we see the hardy family office we have not seen jack with no. the group it's only been Helico. allegedly it a w there'd been some rumors the other day when he talked about the tweet that angelico had been offered a singles run and had turned it down out of loyalty to jack and that they were going to stick together as a team and negotiate wherever they went as a team and so there's a lot of Things going on that could happen here. The Hybrid 2 could easily, especially with Jack... Jack is at the cusp of something. He can change – He's he. the things that you see everybody do now, He if he didn't invent them, he was one of the first few people doing them 20 years ago. He adopted them, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. and he might have been a little sloppy or overshot his mark, but nobody really did what Jack Evans did, and now everybody does that, and they all do CrossFit and have a six-pack and cut muscles and – it's just yeah. a different game. And so mm-hmm. I think that if Jack changes things up with and already super interesting Aveo style, um, that we could see, you know, something unique and special from them. I really hope this is the beginning of a renaissance for Jack Evans and Helico, a new era. We'll see what happens for all of this Lucha News and more. Check in at LuchaCentral.com, dot com, your place. For all things Lucha Libre. And now we've got Miranda. She's got some interesting news with MLW and their goings on.
3: Yes. So this week in MLW, I just have to say, is one of my favorite episodes that I've seen from MLW uh, yes, in quite so some good. time. Such a good, packed episode. So much action. Uh, so many good matches, all of them very different, such a great variety, uh, of matches. We first start off with the cash, the briefcase full of cash match, uh, where essentially the winner gets a briefcase full of Caesar Duran's money, Addis versus Adamis. Again, this is technically commentary mentioned that they, they had already wrestled once, but they've technically wrestled twice, um. Uh, and Oddies has now formed this um alliance uh as as well um with Holly Dead and Doctor Ooh, I keep forgetting this is where we keep forgetting things. Um, <laughs> uh but uh I wanna say Doctor D. But to the equivalent, he, you Holly know they Dev. have huh?
1: Holly oh, Holiday's manager. Uh yes. I can't re- yeah, yeah.
3: Yes. Uh but you know they have now formed this this kind of tight-knit group. Um Adamis, uh came out with such awesome blue gear and from the get-go this match was really interesting. Uh, a great sequence in the beginning. Just the back and forth between Addies and Adamies. Commentary played up and you could tell throughout the match how well they know each other. It's literally super fluid consistent movement um but the action went outside the ring as well where uh Audis ended up doing a outsider's razor's edge uh onto enemies onto the ramp that just sounded brutal um and to me this was just a match that was somewhat long for a alpha fusion match but one that kept my interest the entire time a really really fun match um holly did did cause enough of a, of a distraction towards the end with the referee, so Audemies could uh, take advantage of that um, and ended up using his finisher for the win and the briefcase. Um, but this does feel like some inklings of, you know, a deeper storyline between the two. And much, much more. We also got the debut of Enzo versus Matt Cross. And I'll just say, this match was better than it had any right to be. Uh, (laughs) Truly. Right?
4: Enzo's like the diamond in the rough. You didn't know what he had in him. Yeah, Yeah. like... Uh And
3: I, I, and I loved though how the dynamic with him and Matt brought Matt out of his shell a little bit, where you could see him being a little bit more playful in the ring. Still super serious, still super amazing in his technical ability, but you saw, Enzo being able to pull things out of Matt Cross. And I feel like long term, it looks like they're going to go in a different direction with a feud for for Enzo. But I would have loved to see an Enzo-Matt Cross feud kind of uh, go longer. Because I feel like Enzo has the personality that, you know, a Matt Cross could really leverage. And Matt Cross has a wrestling ability that could really add some authenticity to Enzo. Um, and so yeah. that match just my big thing is it had it was better than it had any right to be. I did not expect it to be that good, but Matt Cross is that good. And I think he made Enzo look like a million bucks. And as to Dusty's point, you know, Enzo is a talented wrestler, you know, and and commentary did play up, you know, how polarizing Enzo is. Uh-huh. That sounds like, some, like something they're going to utilize and leverage in MLW. Uh we had uh Alex Hammerstone fighting uh Mio Muertes all up and down the back uh area. Uh he was supposed to be in action but got attacked instead, and that was a consistent theme throughout the night. And then we hit to well, our main event, the Philly street fight for the World Tag Team titles, Los Parks versus 5150. And just The energy that 5150 brings when they came out, it was just obvious the crowd was so into them. They came out with the shopping cart. They came out with the weapons. And a very interesting point where it did feel like Los Parks were the underdog. You just knew with the physical aggression and grittiness that 5150 brought to the table, a team like Will's Parks that's usually in the advantage, that usually has, you know, plays the numbers game uh, pretty well, was the underdog. And that became apparent, I mean, from the very get-go, it was a street fight. So no tags, all weapons legal, anything went. And they utilized that throughout the entire, entire Match. Uh, we did try to get some quote unquote twin magic from Los Parks. Uh, the commentary did play up that, uh, you know, Los Parks practice the free bird rule when it comes to the MLW tag team titles. So between Ejolda LA Park, LA Park Jr., and LA Park, they rotate with the titles as far as who was in action. We saw Ejolda LA Park and LA Park Jr um and but eventually, towards the middle of the match, who did we discover under the ring? Well, that was l a park himself, led papa, and he came out uh to assist I de l a park and do some twin magic. However, it was caught. And who came out to help 5150? Homicide came out and dragged L.A. Park from underneath the ring. And they were brawling out on the outside, uh, which caused enough of a distraction uh, for 5150 to capitalize on that. They ended up bringing a big-ass wooden table out with 5150 spray painted on it. uh Slice of boogie got the spear through, believe, to L.A. Park Jr., and ended up, uh, both of them, both Danny and uh, Slice pinned him for the win to become your new MLW Tag Team Champions um this was just an overall really fun episode to watch if you wanted high flying fast paced lucha libre you had that in your first match if you wanted more technical wrestling you had that in the second match if you wanted a a street brawl you got it in your third match it really brought so so much and this is again one of my favorite episodes of mlw that i have seen in quite some time so I always say you got to check out MLW, but you need to check out this week's MLW.
1: I'm gonna blatantly cross promote here. We talked a bit about this in an interview we just recorded, so keep your ears open. We're gonna talk a lot about this kind of clash of styles in the upcoming weeks. Yes, it just, it's
3: just such a it's such a good <laughs> episode. It's fairly short too, you know. It just feels like they put yeah. more wrestling in in an hour plus worth of content than you get in three hours of WWE.
1: Well, I'll give you some numbers on that. In the first hour, your average match doesn't happen until 25 minutes into the show on Raw, and then it's only a four- to six-minute match. Whereas we're starting in less than five minutes on the MLW show, and it's usually seven to 12 minutes, if not all the way to 20 minutes. Yeah.
0: So...
3: So... I know there's a lot of wrestling <laughs> content out there, and that's why you listen to the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast, so you get your fill. But MLW is one of those shows where you get a lot for a little bit of time. Um It is both quality and quantity um, in in just a short amount of time. So this week's episode is now live on YouTube, so make sure to check it out, as well as previous episodes are all available free for you to watch on YouTube but yet there is more. We got the news confirmed. We have been talking about this and talking about this and talking about this and talking about this. What is happening with Azteca Underground? And just the other day, MLW released information confirming MLW Azteca, a standalone mini series premiering Thursday, January 6th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. It will be featuring the grandest luchadors of Mexico clashing with Major League's wrestling best of the best. MLW matchmaker Cesar Duran presides over the action from sold-out arenas in Mexico to underground fight clubs. Uh, Court Bauer uh, had a quote uh, stating that MLW Azteca is the next chapter in our ongoing anthology series, and it will take MLW, its wrestlers, and our fans to a very different and thrilling setting. So now we know right. MLW Azteca, it's happening.
1: This is why I did not want to reveal the spoilers that were from that crash, that, that crash event, and the that I mentioned in the indie roundup because they're most likely going to be put onto this Azteca product show. Yeah. So we we will be talking about them. Uh, do not fear. I didn't. I'm not just bringing stuff up to tease you. This was uh I want I I feel like knowing the matches and the results is going to spoil the presentation that I feel like it's going to be extremely unique on this MLW show.
3: Yes. And so uh the series finale of Fusion Alpha is going to air uh next Wednesday December 15th um and then we are going to get MLWS Azteca starting January 6th. So the seeds yes. have been planted uh, now more than ever, as we saw too on this week's episode, uh, about, uh, Azteca Underground becoming more predominant as a storyline, as a theme in MLW. And I do like this concept of the anthology series with MLW with having these chapters. Who knows? Maybe this Azteca series is just an anthology and it will be kind of a one and done. Or if we, you know, especially if they see The success in it, they can add to it and maybe do a season and and kind of almost present it like the original Lucha Underground where you had seasons and they can kind of intertwine that in and out of MLW through uh, the Fusion Anthology.
1: Yeah, they're still working on adding a second hour of programming somewhere on TV, so even more options to to make that happen.
3: Mm -hmm. Yes. And Bernier, any more thoughts uh, about uh, the Azteca Underground Series finally coming to fruition? Um, Or even, you know, your thoughts on on possibly where are we going to get these matches from? Is it, you know, primarily from the Crash show, or do you think they've already started filming other things?
1: I know they've already filmed other things. Uh, Lucha Blog reported this for me, uh, that MLW did an Underground an unannounced taping using uh, the training area behind Auditorio de Tijuana. Uh, basically, it, it's, you know, if you know that area, they're probably, that fits very much with that Boyle Heights aesthetic. So he's speculating in the same way that I'm speculating, that's kind of gonna have more of an underground fight ring look to it. But they, MLW did do some of that taping there. Um, they, they, uh, they they uh, let's see uh, they had uh, so it looks like pa- Pagano was there Savio Vega Aramis, and he held the Kingo so i have no idea what, how much of that is going to make it on the mlw regular tv or triple a is going to put a put a stall a stop to that or or the, on triple a tv or what but there was a taping that mlw was sponsored that had all those wrestlers in Tijuana at kind of a undisclosed lo- location. So sounds like we're going to get a, a a little bit more than just that that crash taping and uh, in this anthology series, at least.
3: Yes. Well, when in Rome, and in this case Mexico, <laughs> might as well film an entire fusion series while you're there.
4: Right? More cost effective that way.
3: It is. Yeah. well yeah if you're going
1: to the, the hollywood if you're going to have location costs go yeah. there once right don't you don't need to go back go there once and get it all done
3: Well, that is This Week in Major League Wrestling. Make sure to stay tuned to the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast for more information, especially as we get closer to MLW Azteca. Up next, it's the segment you know, you love. It's This Week in Lucha Libre History with Dusty. That's right.
4: It's time for This Week in Lucha Libre History. Be sure to check in at luchacentral.com every single day for this day and lucha libre by Pep Carrera. He's got information. He's got birth dates, anniversaries, matches of the day, amazing videos, and even more. And it's all about Lucha Lucha Libre. And that's at LuchaCentral.com, your centralized place for all things Lucha Libre. This week we're breaking from tradition and we're celebrating Rey Mysterio's birthday. Saturday, December the eleventh will be Rey's forty seventh birthday. And in honor of Rey Mysterio and his omnipresent ubiquity within Lucha Libre, we've each decided to talk about one of our personal favorite Rey Mysterio matches. If you've been a long-time fan of the show, you've heard my story about how Rey Mysterio mask was my gateway to Lucha Libre. But for this occasion, I've chosen his Apoistus match versus CM Punk at WWE Over the Limit 2010. This match is really special to me as it's also my son's favorite match, favorite wrestling match of all time. And it was this feud that really made him a Rey Mysterio fan. At Elimination Chamber in February 2010, Rey Mysterio pinned CM Punk, which ruined any chance he had of wrestling for the title and wrestling in the main event at WrestleMania 26. This was his big storyline. And this led to a match between Punk and Rey at WrestleMania, with the stipulation that if Punk won, Rey would be forced to join the Straight Edge Society. And despite interference from Selena and Luke Gallows, when Serena rather and Luke Gallows. When Punk lifted Mysterio from behind and attempted to execute the GTS, Ray was able to reverse it into the 619 and get the win. And this all led up to an apuesta match at Over the Limit 2010, where Ray demanded that the vain Rudo Punk he had to put his hair on the line against Ray joining the Straight Edge Society. And it was just fantastic. The match saw Ray win. Punk would later don a mask to cover both his scalp and his embarrassment. But the story wasn't over. (laughs) The ending of the story saw Ray and Punk feud for a further month before competing in the Fatal 4-Way match for the World Heavyweight Championship at the June 2010 pay-per-view Fatal 4-Way, which Ray won, becoming World Heavyweight Champion, won that big gold belt, ended the feud, and he moved on to a program with Kane. Brendan, which match did you pick this week?
1: Well, I had a harder time picking a match. So, uh, I'll, I'll get into that in a second. I do want to throw a little bit back to what you were just talking about. It, in the 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 whole hair feud Serena Deeb uh or yes. got her got her hair her head shaved and we got a call back to that on AEW last week which made me laugh. Like CM Punk saw her backstage and said, "Nice haircut." And that was yeah. <laughs> So I, I just, so cool. I, it's in the, in in the brain right now. That whole view was mm-hmm. fantastic.
4: It was um, like it was so much better than WWE intended for it to be. Or, <laughs> I mean, like it it really ended up being kind of one of the defining moments of both of their times on SmackDown.
1: Yeah, well, and, and you, so cool.
4: Yeah.
0: You
1: yeah. have two people who are definitive of a generation, uh, two Absolutely. Of the greatest wrestling minds. Uh, working together like even vince mcmahon's uh famous tearing up of scripts can't stop them from creating magic so uh, i just i always wonder what that feud would have looked like if there wasn't uh like a vince mcmahon element to probably possibly holding them back
4: yeah uh, <laughs> yeah it could have been a lot better
1: my uh my so so where i was at i was all over there was the that feud you were thinking of. You had Rey Mysterio's giant killer moments later on, which was just definitive of of elevating little guys to being competitors in the WWE and broke the mold for Vince McMahon guys being the only guys that ever get pushes. But uh, I had to go completely hipster and just go all the way back to the ECW feud with Psychosis. And I can't pick one of those matches, I just any of them. <laughs> there were like three or five of them, Rey Mysterio versus Psicosis. They, they broke new ground every time they did that. They changed wrestling for so many viewers. Like there's just no way I can't talk about that when I think about Rey Mysterio's birthday and Rey Mysterio's impact on wrestling. It started there when he was like 19. And, uh, it, you know, the world of wrestling has been eternally changed from just that feud. But to the point I just made like your your feud and the giant killer phase and the uh the when he the two or three different factions that he was a part of in w c w as w c w was more matured he changed wrestling multiple times, so i just i didn't have the one match i'm gonna go back uh any of those ecosystems matches again just you know, they, they just watch them if you have it your, your brain will melt. Uh, Miranda, what did you have?
4: Did we lose you, Miranda?
3: Uh, I'm here. I (laughs) had to mute my mic because of my dogs. No, Um, I can't So so I was was saying that I went with something a little different, and because it was really the start of a whole storyline that – Refueled my love for Rey Mysterio. I began watching him in WCW and loved his, his run there. Um, but where I truly got reconnected and fell in love with Rey Mysterio, um, was his road to the world championship and the tw- to a 2006 Royal Rumble match. Um, starting off at number two, lasting over 60 minutes. You know, the joy that we felt, as fans felt, as he felt, winning that. I mean, one of the best underdog stories in all of pro wrestling. And he did it by being him. And, uh, you know, there was such strong ties to Eddie Guerrero's passing and all of that. But, you know, the more I think about it now, it was really because of that. Rey Mysterio was someone that fans adored. For, you know, over a decade at that point. Yeah. And finally was getting the recognition that in the land of giants was something that, you know, he should have never had. Um, and doing it with the idea of family and mind, which is one of the biggest themes in Latino culture and being able to honor someone who's passed and being able to accomplish something in their name is one of the biggest honors and accomplishments of someone's life. And so the more I pass time with it, I mean, obviously it's sentimental and it's really, you know, invaluable, but it's also I mean, a, a rarity that he is truly one of the people who've got to have his career being a luchador. And he's gone through the ups and downs of having a mask, not having a mask, uh, no limit soldiers, uh, you know, uh, right. uh any, you know, teaming tag team partners left and right, you know, but through it all, Ray has been Ray Mysterio and he is iconic, recognizable and someone that everyone has looked up to. Um, And that whole storyline for me personally is just, I adore, but that match in and of itself is something that sticks out in my head all the time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I was referencing that a little bit when I was thinking about his, uh, his, you know, but yeah, like it's to your point. He is a luchador that got to stay a luchador. Even his son isn't going to be a luchador for the majority of his career, it appears. Uh, you know, and then he got to, he got to redefine what it was to be a wrestler in the WWE, uh, multiple times. So, I mean, just an incredible legacy on that alone. That,
3: yeah.
1: It's so hard to not pick that few, that series of matches. I know.
3: that's that just funny. <laughs> but that's the beautiful thing. I mean, as as Desi mentioned, we went in a different direction today because um, the birth of Rey Mysterio, you know, has cemented Lucha Libre in so many forms. Of course, the influence in, in, in Mexico, but that crossover appeal would not be where it is today if it wasn't for Rey Mysterio. I don't know if we'd be having these conversations about, you know, uh, most, you know, Luchadors and these other promotions um, or wow. Lucha Libre on American television if it wasn't for, of course, the work that did, like ECW and everyone yeah. who came from Mexico there, like what we saw in the Cruiserweight division, you know, like, you know, big storylines like Rey later on. We wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't for that. And a lot of it always can, you know, seems to be able to be tied back to Rey Mysterio.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it is, we do have to be fair. Some of it is the people he was working with. Oh yeah. You you know, ACW, he had psychosis and, and super crazy and other people to work with. Uh, WCW, he had much of the same crew, but also he had Eddie Guerrero and, you know, I mean, just, you know, there was, there was always good people around him. It was the right time, but he's the, he was the catalyst for a yeah. lot of it for sure. Yes.
3: Well, that is this week in Lucha Libre history. Make sure to check out this day in Lucha Libre history on luchacentral.com. But wait, there's more. Brendan, can you let our listeners know what else they can find on luchacentral.com?
1: Heck yeah. So if you're listening to this and you haven't visited luchacentral.com, it's time to do it. luchacentral.com is the online home for Lucha Libre where you can get all the top news in English and in Spanish. Find the best curated video content and original content not seen anywhere else. Find when Lucha Libre events would be happening in your area. Find photo galleries from top photographers covering Lucha Libre around the world. place to have your voices heard from weekly polls to annual awards, seen and read by top executives and all of the major Lucha Libre promotions across the globe. And on top of all of that, it's free. LuchaCentral.com your centralized place for all things Lucha Libre.
3: Brendan, you spoke a little bit about some breaking news with Ring of Honor, but we know Ring of Honor is heading into, well, one of the biggest weekends of their entire career. But also we've had this week in ROH, so go ahead and take it away.
1: So uh, ROH TV this week, uh, we had the the ladies starting off to see who's going to face Roxy at Final Battle. And that was uh Willow wound up getting the spot, uh, Will Nightingale. So she's going to move on to face Roxy. They also use that time to interweave a little more of a feud. So we're going to see some other matches that are happening. Um, and then the main event of that show, we had Bandito and PJ Black. Bandito wound up winning this one in what has to be the most bizarre ROH angle. This angle would have fit in great in in uh WWE, so I'm very confused by it. Uh PJ Black apparently has hypnotized uh the uh uh, uh why I just lost his name. Uh, uh
0: <laughs> Flip Gordon.
1: Uh, Flip Flip Gordon. There we go. He's hypnotized Flip Gordon into being the evil mercenary that he was basically for all of 2020. Uh, and, and so to exercise his control over flip, he like made him interfere in this match right in front of the referee who then justifiably threw the whole match out. So Bandito gets the win. I don't understand why this was necessary. Um, Especially when you have two guys, two two lucha talents like this, I was really looking forward to this match until I saw all of this craziness going on. This is kind of an example of the bizarre story overriding what two guys could just legitimately do. Uh Anyway, so we had the final battle card started to take shape, except for the fact that we had the breaking announcement that Bandito is now. Not going to be at the show, so I have not heard any updates on who will replace him yet. Um, Lucha blog jokingly said, "Has anybody checked versus me uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh but you know so we they still don't have not made any major announcements on that that is going to be this weekend, so by the time this show goes live, you will have probably only a couple of hours with which to to catch the match live. So hopefully there's something will go out between now and then to get to get things up. But let's go over the card as it looks right now. We have uh to start off the show. We have Chelsea Green and the Hex, which is Marty Bell and Sienna, against Miranda Alize and the Allure, Mandy Leon and Angelina Love. We have Dragon Lee versus Ray Orus, which was already going to be one of the best matches on the card, but without Bandito on the card, that could be the one that steals the whole show. Uh Homicide, Brody King and Tony Deppen against Taylor Russ, Tracy Williams, and Eli Os- Isom. Uh, we have, uh, a fight without honor featuring Shane Taylor versus Kenny King. So this is kind of that payoff that I've been talking about where they're shifting away from LFI to Kenny King versus Shane Taylor. Uh, it'll be interesting. This one will be interesting to see how it pays off. If LFI gets involved in it, that might indicate that they're, uh, gonna do something with LFI when ROH comes back. If not, they just maybe covering their bets and LFI might still be there. We'll see. It's a long ways off when they, if they even get to that, uh, return match. Um, the ROH Six Men Tag Team Championships will be on the line with Shane Taylor Promotions defending against the Righteous, Vinny Marsalia, Bateman, Dutch. Um, we'll have an ROH TV Championship match with Dalton Castle against Brett Titus, Silas Young, and Joe Henry. And then the Pure Championship will be on the line with Josh Woods against Brian Johnson. The ROH Tag Team Championship match, uh, is the OGK, uh, Taven and, uh, 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 uh Taven and, uh, the, the, Maria's husband, uh, <laughs> versus the Briscoes. I expect the Briscoes are probably going to win that one. And then the main event match was scheduled to be Bandito against Jonathan Cressom. but, uh, you know, Bandito is, uh, sick again, so we'll see. But, uh, that's our ROH again, Final Battle, which is their last event, uh, until second quarter of next year. Uh, and would, at which time they will have undergone a serious kind of reskinning and refacing of things. So this is, uh, um, even without all the Lucha content, this one is kind of worth seeing to just kind of, it's going to be a moment in history and you'll be kind of wanting to remember it because ROH may, it's probably never going to be the same again if they uh, authentically make it back. I don't even know at this point. Uh, they, that's their plan and they keep saying that's their plan, but uh, 2020 has proven to me that, uh, you know nothing is is uh is going to go the way that anybody plans. So we'll see. But that's my ROH news for this week.
3: Yeah. You know we're gonna be talking about final battle uh next week, even just, you know, what what happens with the main event, so make sure you stay tuned to LuchaCentral dot com and the Lucha Central weekly podcast. Right. Brennan, do we have some CMLL updates as well?
1: Uh just real quick, they did uh they did work on the uh play, did I the the grand alternative alternative tournament uh and they had a CMLL middleweight tournament uh, tournament as well. So uh on twelve oh three from Arena Mexico they had a number of matches for the CMLL Middle middleweight championship. You had Esperito Negro beating Polino Jr. Templario beating Virus, uh, Dragon Rojo Jr. beat Star Jr., Sobrenario Jr. beat Guerrero Maya Jr., uh, Templario beat Espirito Negro, and Sobrenario Jr. again won against Dragon Rojo. So we, uh, I don't believe, yeah, none of those were, were the finals, so it looks like we'll have, uh, another week of matches to determine who the uh middleweight champion is going to be. Uh if I were to speculate, I'd say Sobernario Jr. is gonna wind up with it, but we'll see. Uh they did even back it up with Templario attacking Sobernario after the match, kind of building up energy for that that final match. So that was the middleweight. They uh Grand Altern- Alternativa is about to start. This is going to be on an iPay-per-view. like a, It's going to be $5 American. Um, and it's going to feature the tag team of Maggio Blanca and Olador Jr., another tag team of Akuma, Gran Guerrero, Blue Panther, and Cachorro, El Coyote and Euphoria, Sonic and Stuka Jr., Inframero Jr. and Mephisto, Pantera del Ring and Pantera del Ring Jr., Kevin Ario and Rugido. So, uh, it's going to be a really good pay-per-view. I just wanted to kind of hype that up. That's also going to be, uh, that's going to be on 1210, So that's, that's going to be right after, uh, the next, right in between when this is recorded and when this goes up. So you probably, it probably will have already happened. Hopefully you saw it because there's, no i uh, this was poor planning on my part there's no uh no uh video on demand with these cmll pay per views so uh i will try and cover it for i will cover it for you next week if you didn't catch it but uh, it's it's a friday show well worth catching
3: thank you brendan for that up next we're going to be talking this week in nxt uh we had war games This past Sunday, and for Lucha Libre fans, you may have been interested in the opening match, which was the women's war game match. You had uh, the team of Raquel Gonzalez, Kaylee Ray, Io Shirai, and Cora Jade versus the team of Dakota Kai. And toxic attraction, Gigi Dolan, JC Jane, and Mandy Rose. Uh, the star that really came out of this was Cora Jade. Uh, she had the big jump off of the, uh, top of the cage onto a table. Um, and, I, I mean, I know there's a lot of mixed reviews about war games. I know one of the biggest critiques was that there was too many weapons in both matches. Um, but uh, this was a great way to start the show. And also, I mean, looking at the implications, we've talked about it before. You know, last year's war game match, you had Raquel Gonzalez pinning Io Shirai and that set the tone for much of 2021. Uh our 20 yeah, of 21 or 22 yeah. or 20. Oh my gosh, of the year. But the <laughs> the year that was. Um and so it seems like it following in suit that Cora Jade is someone that they foresee being a future women's champion. Um but also again, kind of the oddity of seeing Dakota as our um Raquel Gonzalez and Io Shirai on the same team, whereas last year they were on on opposing teams. Um, Yeah. you know, I, I you could see why maybe with some newer talent wanting to maybe do something different and something extreme. Um, however, you know, uh, a lot of positive reviews over the women's war game match. Uh, as far as this week on NXT, well, we ha- did have some lucha action where we haven't so much in the past. Um, speaking of toxic attraction, JC uh, Jane and Gigi uh, Dolan did have a match. Right after War Games, that's pretty brutal. Um, it was a non-title match, though, uh, against fan, uh, Valentina Ferraz and yulisa Leon, who has definitely been teaming up more frequently on NXT television. Um, you know, uh, these—of well, course, the one time that I do my things. Uh, well, they're agreeing
4: on, with you. They,
1: yeah, they're supporting yeah. your your spot
3: cheers from the audience cheers to the audience and so yes uh they have been a, a team uh set together uh over the past few weeks and uh and actually had a strong start into this match um Ulysses Leon had a really good start and Valentina Ferroz really picked that up as well throughout uh their match um and both playful and energetic um which you could see getting on the nerves of toxic attraction um but you know when you're that young and energetic and exciting, uh, you can also, you know, make some mistakes, which they did, uh, do in their match. And of course, just the experience of JC Jane and Gigi Dolan, uh, may be new to NXT fans, but not so, uh, or fairly familiar to, uh, um, you know, those on the independent scene. So knowing they have the experience on their side, uh, mm-hmm. but, um, we had, uh, I believe JC Jane, uh, with the win, the big kick to Feroz for the win. Um, and Toxic Attraction, you know, still injured, but still dominant, uh, in this non-title match. We then did see some Legado de Fantasma action. Yes. Santos Escobar versus Zion Quinn. And really, this, the, the theme about this match too was, where is Electra Lopez's alliances, maybe loyalties lie? She did come out with us, the, uh, Legado, with Santos and with uh, Joaquin and Raul. Um, but she stayed on a different side of the ring. Visually, you could see Electra and Zion continuously stare at each other throughout the match. Um, Santos got in some really good chops, um, and, but also there was a pretty, uh, fun, uh, moment in the match where Zion Quinn kind of blocked, uh, Santos Escobar, as Escobar ran into him and just fell flat, um, But one thing that commentary talked about that I really liked and I agreed with is that Santos Escobar is the type of person where you give him just a little bit of an edge or you give him one opening and he'll take advantage of it. Especially with, of course, the big size differential between Zion Quinn and Santos Escobar. Santos has done this before and knows when to pick his spot but at the end of the match things took an a interesting turn when um Zion Quinn was laid out and Electra uh ended uh placing a pair of brass knuckles in his hands. Uh when Zion kind of woke up, he realized he had the brass knuckles. He ended up uh knocking out uh I believe it was Raul uh, Mendoza off of the apron. Um uh, but then that was what Opportunity Santos needed In order to hit the phantom driver For the win So I think it's figuring out Was she trying to do that To purposely get Zion disqualified Was she trying to do that To help him out So this may be the new story We're seeing with Legato As far as uh, You know this uh, Allegiance that Electra may have To Legato, Or is she um, more interested in Zion I'm still very unsure how I feel About this story um, You know it's one thing To really you're putting the attention On the newest member of Legato Which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing But for a minute NXT was very High on all of these love angles um, and, yep. and dropped Some of them quickly I think more of a serious love Angle could be interesting Compared to what we saw with Indy uh, And Dexter Which was a lot more comedic. Um, but it takes the attention away really from Santos and almost like he's not, he doesn't run his own faction. And that's kind of how it, it feels like I'm just very curious about it. So, um, the good news is they're on TV. So if they can just protect Legado. I was
1: going to say, I was going to say, this is, uh, I know how I feel about it. I hate this story, but at the same time. I'll take it, because it's the only only thing they're willing to give us, so, you know.
3: Protect Legato. (laughs) Hashtag protect Legato.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to start doing that, actually. Yes, (laughs) Yes, hashtag
3: making- <laughs> protect legato. Uh but yeah, some some good uh you know, lucha adjacent lucha libre action on NXT, which again we haven't been getting as much as we used to. Um Raquel Gonzalez still has a firm eye on the NXT championship, but Cora Jade now is coming up uh really with a lot of spunk and um uh, uh, confidence after the win uh, At war games so we will See where uh, all Of the women's division kind Of shakes out after this uh, And of course some of the other storylines That we saw this week so uh, Make sure to check out LuchaCentral.com Though for your NXT results And with that We're heading into the final Segment of this week's show and that's This week in WWE with Dusty
4: yeah, uh, a little bit to run down, and then kind of a cool story at the end. But first up, we had SmackDown. Los Lotharios, Angel Garza, and Humberto Carrillo defeated the Viking Raiders in what was more of an angle than a match. It, the match, if you want to call it that, was under two minutes, and you knew it was going to be a quick one when Angel immediately pulls off the pants as his opening move. It just took a minute for Umberto to roll Eric up for the pin, took a minute and 40 seconds after a distraction from Rick Boogs. Post-match, the Viking Raiders were really upset with Boogs and Shinsuke Nakamura, but they kind of got over it and bonded when Boogs started to rock out to the Viking Raiders theme on the guitar. It was unusual. Hopefully it leads to more for Los Lotharios than being smaller players in a feud like this. At least they're getting on TV. On Raw, we had Zelina defeating Nikki A.S.H. This match was also just short and sweet. After hitting a crossbody that would have made Ric Flair weep tears of joy, Zelina hit a picture-perfect Code Red to pick up the win in just two minutes and six seconds. Then later in the evening, we saw Ray and Dominic defeat Alpha Academy, and they will go on to face the Street Profits next week and the Tag Team RK-Broniment Tournament. This is basically a singles match with the seconds on the apron, but I think keeping Otis entirely out of the match actually makes more sense for the Mysterios based on its size. It makes Otis look more like a monster in a way that I like. Uh, the finish saw Chad Gable missing a moonsault, and Dominic seized the opportunity to use the most lethal move in WWE, and he hit a surprise roll-up to get the win in 3 minutes and 12 seconds. But also this week, we had big news. Rey Mysterio was teasing a big announcement this week, and it was formally announced that he will star in a new Cartoon Network Latin America series titled Rey Mysterio vs. La Oscuridad, which means The Darkness. It will be produced by Mexican animation studio Viva Calavera and a production partnership with Rey himself. The first season will have 10 episodes and will premiere in Latin America in 2020, and the art style is heavily influenced by Lucha Libre itself. This has the promise to be the greatest Lucha cartoon to date – And as a fan of both Lucha Libre and animation, I'm really excited to see this. The official description says Rey Mysterio vs. the Darkness tells the story of Oscar, a wrestling fan who will team up with his idol Rey Mysterio to face supernatural beings and fight against the forces of evil, villains from the world of wrestling and characters from Mexican tradition and the world of fantasy. Behind these extraordinary opponents is Euroboros, an evil fighter who uses dark forces that he does not fully understand. Rey Mysterio and Oscar must work together and do their best to defend the city and themselves from his evil plans. Uh, I'm super hyped for this. If you recall, we announced this last year when it was announced in Latin America, but it was announced this week in the United States. I don't know. There's been a lot of speculation that – Cartoon Network America is already interested in it. It's you know tested very well apparently in Latin America. It's going to debut next year, and based on its appearance in Latin America, apparently that determines whether or not it will debut in the United States. Hopefully, we get to see it. I have a feeling it'll be pirated <laughs> on the internet if nothing else. Oh yeah, yeah. A, I mean,
1: yeah, the deep the deep waters will have it. But uh, we, I said this off air, and after we went in depth with Rainbow Mysterio's impact on his birthday. I just don't see a world where this doesn't do well. Like, there's just no way. It's just so so cute.
3: Like, I just, I just want (laughs) to squeeze it out. Adorable, it is.
4: Yeah, you owe it to yourselves to go online and look at the production art if you haven't seen it already. Like, it's incredible. They did such a good job.
1: I, I wanna I wanna juxtapose that. It's adorable and badass at the same time. Is well yeah, it's, it's yeah. It,
3: yeah. I mean for those <laughs> who love adorable, it's adorable because um yeah. it's like just some of the art too with like the lucha masks and the kids and the yeah. ring, it's so cute. But the Rey mysterio actual uh animation looks sick.
4: That's what everybody right. well, always says ad- about me. I'm adorable, but I'm badass.
3: <laughs>
1: badass but I was going to say that's, that's the trick is it's a very rare combination. You have to be a, a freak like dusty in order. To... <laughs> uh, and that's why I wasn't, uh, I have nothing against the adorableness. I just enjoy the fact that he's able to do both at once, which is, um, kind of, kind of super cool. Uh, the uh I want to ask Dusty you said it has the potential be to to be the greatest lucha animation what do you what do you think even is going to rank cuz like I can only think of two animated shows at all would that feature luchadors and one of them is the tiger mask cartoon so like you know I'm not
4: there was um lucha <laughs> lucha and then right. there was also one I was a big fan of called Manny Rivera, The Adventures of El Tigre that was a Nickelodeon program. Okay. And his dad was like a Santo style uh, luchador named Blanco Pantara, and his grandpa was like a super Rudo. I can't remember the grandpa's name. And he was trying <laughs> to decide whether he was Technico or Rudo. Like, it was such a good show and had a lot of promise. I don't know why it ended. There was even Happy Meal toys based on it. I've got the whole set. And so it, I, I'm really looking forward to this, and I think Cartoon Network is going to, if the art is any indication, they're going to go about this the right way, and I'm I'm super yeah. looking forward to it. Well, Ray is involved in the production, as you mentioned, right? So yes, she's a fully like a full partner in the production, which is incredible for the authenticity and the vibe and the yeah, and we love know the reality, we know, but you know what I mean, yeah. <laughs>
1: Well, we know he's super involved in his artistic representation. Everything Absolutely. that he's got yes, on his gear is something that he's involved in. Like no matter who's doing it, uh, all of his uh, his posters and his art is stuff that he has, He's very hands-on with, so you you know the quality is
4: going to be good because because he's involved. Very exciting show. Cartoon Network next year, so when it debuts, we'll be back with more news about it.
1: Heck yeah. I'll be watching it.
3: And, well, that is this week in the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to check out luchacentral.com your centralized place for all things Lucha Libre. Go ahead and make sure you follow Lucha Central on social media at Lucha Central on Facebook and Instagram and at Lucha com on Twitter. You can also check out the YouTube page that has hours upon hours of exclusive content like matches and interviews that you're not going to find anywhere else. And while you're at it, go ahead and follow us on social media. Dusty, where can our listeners find you?
4: I am on Facebook at facebook.com slash Dusty Murphy. And I am on Instagram at Dusty Murphy.
3: And Brendan, where can our listeners find you?
1: I am 321 T-shirt guy. That's the numbers 321. And then T-shirt guy is all spelled out. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. And I'm all over the Twitters.
3: And me, Miranda Morales, you can find me at the hashtag Miranda. Hashtag spelled out on Instagram and Facebook. If you are listening to this on one of your favorite podcast streaming platforms like iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Pod Bay, and much, much more. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Subscribe and get a notification every time a new episode of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast drops. You can leave us a five-star rating and, of course, leave us a review. Let us know your thoughts or reach out to us on social media with your thoughts on the show. Give us feedback. Things you like, things you don't like, things we talk about more, things we should talk about less, so on and so forth, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> Reach out to us on social media. And we mean that wholeheartedly. Uh, please, oh, yeah. we'd love to oh, always please. hear feedback. We always yeah. love to hear from those who listen and let us know your thoughts on the show. Uh, and of course, Uh, A big thank you to our partners at TheChairShot.com who also stream this on their website. Make sure you check out the ChairShot Radio Network that has lots of great podcasts, along with the Lucha Central Podcast Network that has hours upon hours of podcast content for you to listen to. For Dusty Murphy and Brendan Barr, I'm Miranda Morales. Thank you all so much for listening, and we will be back with you next week. Yes. Yeah.